Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, and Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, let's the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, which is everybody, Noel, Kirkpatrick, and uh, we're going to keep this one short, listeners, because I, like just got my screener for drag race and I've got a lot of writing to do. So we unfortunately have to keep the record uh, recording a little on the short side today, but I did want to mention up at the top that we're here just got renewed at HBO. Oh, that's great. So yay. More, more drag queens putting on shows and just being delightful um, and very interesting uh, in, in, in future don't, who knows when uh, in there. I'm going to talk about it later in the show, but they were three days into filming the finale when all the mm-hmm. coronavirus shutdowns happened. Oh, okay. So that gives a sense of like the timing of all of this. Cause we were curious, like when they, it's a really this. fast turnaround on the show. Then it's a very fast turnaround. So more on that when we get to our weekend TV, um, and this will be at the end of the show, we're going to be talking about normal people, which is a Hulu show. And it's based, is, is it just season one or is it just like a mini series? It's just a mini series um, based on a book by um, Sally Rooney. Okay. So it's 12 episodes, half hour, uh, 12 half-hour episode drama. It's on Hulu. We're going to talk about that at the end of the show. But um, we've got important listening to do uh, because we need to listen to uh, Mr. Parker's cul-de-sac as a punk rock anthem. So we're going <laughs> to take a break, listen to that, and come back with our weekly TV right after this. Again, that was Mr. Parker's cul-de-sac as a punk rock hit, and I did not recognize it. I needed a friend of the show, Alison Shoemaker, to point that out to me. I just couldn't make out the words. Um, uh, so yeah, more on that at the end of the, the week. But uh, we're going to kick things off with the Drag Race finale, the grand finale for season 12. Then I'll talk briefly about the We're Here finale, Spartanburg, We Make It Work. Then we'll talk Top Chef All-Stars LA with Luca, their first um, Italian set episode. And then we have What We Do in the Shadows, Witches. Quiz, which had its premiere, it's only three episodes, that this week on AMC. Then Noel's going to talk about uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Know Your Onions, and we'll round things out, of course, with Legends of Tomorrow and their finale, Swamp Thong. Yes, you thought we were going to use the Thong song, but then they gave us Mr. Parker's Call to Sex. Of course, we did that instead. First up, we have the Repulse Drag Race finale, grand finale. Um, First of all, congratulations to the winner, and listeners, you've had time. You could have skipped ahead. If you didn't want to be spoiled. Congratulations to Jada Essence Hall, who is the latest queen. It still hasn't quite sunk in that we're actually at the end of the season because it just feels so different. Um, yeah. but, but I'm very excited. I'm very excited for Jada. And uh, I thought that all things considered, it was a pretty strong finale. What, what did you think? I think it's a really, really good finale. Like, I think that Crystal, Gigi, and Jada did a really great job in doing a show from their homes. Um, and I think, like, 
a lot of that also boils down to the amount of space that they have in some instances. Um, though I appreciated the production being like, you get this amount of space <laughs> for the other one so as to make things a little more even, um, but also for framing purposes. I think both things work. Um, but no, I think it's a re- I think it's a really entertaining finale. Um, and I think it also allowed them to really show off like preparation in some cases, but also really emphasize who each of them are in a really different way than I think finales typically do. I chalk a lot of that up to the fact that they just let them do a whole lip sync designed by themselves. And that changes the whole dynamic of everything um, for me, especially. I think just doing a couple of lip syncs on a stage is great, but it feels kind of impersonal when you think about it. Um, And then just being like, do your own thing. And let's see what it is. And it's just like, oh, that's so good. Because, Kate, I hate to think about the fact that if they had done a traditional RuPaul's Drag Race finale, and we don't get Crystal Method bird vomiting into her own mouth. Like, why? What? The world would be a lesser place without that. (laughs) Yes, that was um, a very crystal moment. Yes. Uh, this is more similar to what they did in the season eight finale, where mm-hmm. they had the queens, the top three queens each got to pick, uh, their own song and to, to do their like lip sync to, and then they judged based on that as well as other, other things, of course. But, um, this is of course even more personal because the camera is so close. It's like, yeah. it's not on a stage for the giant audience. It's right there. And they, you know, they get editing, they get a lot to, to, that they can control about it. Um, I thought it was very telling the approaches they each took. I thought Mm -hmm. they all did a good job. Um, I was really, I particularly enjoyed the texture of crystals compared to, because Gigi's was really, really just like pristine and she did a fabulous job. Very polished. But after seeing the texture on crystals, it felt very flat. And, um, just like, even just like the, the way the light hits the feathers versus the sheer, just like flat back like 80s drawn panel which is appropriate for for take on me um and it, it like so when she dropped down the um the like the the reflection thing that was really yes. cool like there's there was some good depth and some other things but it, it felt very different right and then jada was busting a move and actually like moving and dancing around in a way that none of the other two didn't. And so like, and used different video effects and, and had a wind machine. And it was like, it, they, were, they were all very distinct. It was a well, really, let's say a spotlight. fan, because I don't think that there was a wind machine. <laughs> yes. But, but you know what I mean? Approximating yeah. a wind machine, going yeah. for a wind, wind machine effect. Yeah. Um, and I, I also really liked the up close lip sync. The up close lip sync was a great idea. And Gigi for me really killed that because mm-hmm. clearly had done like a little bit of like work on like doing the eye things to the beat. Cause mm-hmm. like, that's just really smart. If you're just going to do that kind of a close up lip sync, yeah. that was a really, really good idea. And I thought Jada working the camera and like adding depth mm-hmm. was also mm-hmm. very smart. But yes. I thought that with the close up, the Jada and Gigi were definitely yes. like neck and neck for the win for that one. Um, and Crystal was a bit behind. I thought yes. for the, the having the individual like songs, um, I thought they were all, they all did a really good job. But for yes. me, I still, I thought that 
Crystal was still lagging behind a little bit. If only because the song is so repetitive yes, and we only have a minute and a half. Like, like by the time they're at the end and they go to the refrain again and again, and it's just them flying. It was, it was lovely. It was, it was super fun. And it really captured the tone of the song. It was so warm and, and creative and colorful and, and lovely. But the other two videos I thought had more dimension to the, the journey as you watched them. Um, and then for the final lip sync, I actually thought I liked Gigi's reveal because I thought she executed that really well. I, I didn't like Jada's because I always hate when the queens put a tent on. Then they're like, ooh, it's a reveal. It's like, no, it's not a reveal because you're wearing a tent. Obviously, you have another look underneath it. So that doesn't count. Like, if you take one look and turn it into another look, that is a reveal. Gigi had a reveal. Had like a you know a twist kind of to to what what she was doing. Jada just took off a tent um, to reveal a fabulous, terrific yes. ensemble underneath. So don't get me wrong, she crushed it. Um, but I actually I think for my money, Gigi won the last lip sync. But if it had been in person, Jada would have won. I think Jada was really harmed by like the stag uh, the static camera. Like she went down for the splits, and normally the camera would move with her, and yeah. that would be a much more impressive moment. Um, and she could barely like move right in the space. So I was very like, I think any of them could have won. I think any, any of them earned it. I think on the day I thought Gigi was the best, but I am very, very okay with, um, with Jada getting the win because I think she earned it over the course of the season. Yeah. And that's where I come down on too, of like, I think Jada won like overall sort mm-hmm. of deal is how that played out. And like I texted you in front of the show, Allison Shoemaker, I was not surprised mm-hmm. by how this shook out. Um, I disagree with you regarding Gigi's reveal. Um, it's a reveal. It just felt super basic. Um, it's one people have done before, definitely. Yeah, and it's like, oh, you, you did a Dorothy into Oz. Oh, okay. And yeah. I'm, I... What else was was the escalation? Well, I um, thought it was a good reveal, but you're right in that it doesn't say more about her, right? It's like so right, this yeah. is your final statement, another reference. Yeah, and like she, she, Gigi's really good at making references that then provide an escalation or provide an insight. There's nothing here for that, mm-hmm. and I also don't think like the Dorothy thing goes with the final song very well either. Yeah, um, which is another like chalk against it. Um, but I do think that. That being said, I do agree with you that I think Gigi wins, like, the finale. Mm-hmm. Um, because the close-up look and the um, the individual song, um, the so- picked song choice works just so gangbusters. The only thing about it is I'm just like, oh, but why don't you have, like, the negative version of that outfit and then your hair swapped? And that would have been, like, just icing. But also, you don't have time to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, when did you have time to do this? Uh, <laughs> Yeah. So I think that that's where it is. But gosh, Crystal's just just so good. Like, I love mm-hmm. all the craftiness of it and, like, all of that. And I think it just speaks to, like, Crystal's whole aesthetic. And it's really, really, it was really, really beautiful. Um, and I, I'm glad that Heidi won Miss Congeniality and also that Heidi is also very obviously the MVP breakout star of this season. Like, hands yeah. down. No one comes close. <laughs> Good on you keeping your name. Yes, I think that's really great too. Like I really, really liked that. Of and that was in the reunion episode, right? 
Uh, yes. Where she, yeah. So just all of it's really, really good. So I really like this finale, even if this season sort of ended up, I think, solid, but weighed down by either both external circumstances mm-hmm. and also the fact that you ended up with a really strong batch of queens that weren't super into drama and also a lack of crafting challenges show. <laughs> well, I don't know that uh, you're going to get that in All-Stars because they tend to not to no, make No, I never get crafting challenges in All-Stars and I'm still upset about it. Um, yeah. But I assume we will get our talent show premiere, which is what they have been doing on All-Stars recently. I haven't had a chance to watch my screener, but uh, that's usually how they kick things off. And if you're coming back to All-Stars, you're you're very good. So I look forward to what they bring. Um, let's go to our next episode, which is the We're Here finale. I just wanted to mention it because, like I said, they were three days into filming this episode when they had to shut down for coronavirus. Um, and so instead, what they do is just have the queens at home. And talk about their experiences leading them to drag. So like growing up. Oh, and cool. yeah. And like they intersperse it with footage from the other shows. The, the drag shows. Like different individual performances from the different um, shows that we hadn't seen previously. And and some other performances. Including a performance by Lady Suge. Who you'll remember from the... Um, was it New Mexico? Farming, I want to say. The New Mexico episode. Uh, and I, I thought it was really great. I, I was... I mean appreciative that we got to see that performance which i don't think we would have if they hadn't had to shut down production uh, it was a lovely performance and lady shug is fierce <laughs> so yeah it was uh it was really terrific so the like the the title of the episode is spartanburg we make it work and yeah i thought they did it was it was interesting not what the show normally would be but i certainly feel like i have a better sense of these three queens um after hearing from them about their experiences so yeah it was neat um Next up is Top Chef All-Stars LA. And I mean, I feel like I kind of got to stand Stephanie at this point, right? Like I'm actually put rooting for, I think, Melissa or Stephanie at this yes. point. But I mean, for the, the personal chef to make it to the top four. Yeah. Yeah. No, I really enjoyed this episode for just the fact that Everyone kind of screws up the elimination challenge because weirdly it's such a luxurious ingredient of truffles that they have to incorporate, but none of them know quite how to do it very well. And I really like that idea of like, here's this high end ingredient picked fresh from the hills of Italy and they just kind of botch it. And I'm, I think that's just really interesting to watch that happen uh, for the most part. Like, um, like Melissa comes out and does, oh, I'm going to do kanji and it's going to be delicious. And I'm just like, yes, it is. Cause kanji is delicious. I love kanji. Um, but I, I just really appreciated like watching everyone be like, oh yeah, we're so excited to use this and then just kind of not use it well. Um, so I really enjoyed that as like a challenge. Um, so, but yeah, no, I'm very much with you. I'm rooting for Melissa real hard. Um, but also I'm just really gangbusters about Stephanie. Because I was, Kate, I was very worried about Stephanie because Stephanie was not in the fan favorite promo box that mm-hmm. they did. And I just went, did you inadvertently spoil this for me, Bravo? Did you? And then they went, no, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> we we sent Gregory home. And I'm just like, oh, but I like Gregory. Yeah. But he had a bad week. Yeah. That's all it takes, right? They're all very talented. Yes, um, they are. And I get where the show and, and Voltaggio himself are coming from with like, 
got second place twice. Come on. <laughs> it's my time. And then, and, and Kevin, you know, it has the, like the arcs that they have for these different contestants, like overcome cancer, uh, shadow of the younger brother. And this is my, finally my time to shine up and coming young chef. Right. Which I think is the Melissa edit compared to other things. And Even Melissa has been around so long compared yeah. to like in brain type space, not like as long as these three, but, but yeah. yeah. And then, and then like, she's the little engine that could Stephanie is. Yeah. So like, She's like, I didn't figure I'd still be here. I, I loved her pointing out, well, at least it's not as bad as when I made Indian food for Padma. <laughs> yeah. And then they go, you made pasta for Italians. We have pasta all the time. She's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, man. Those, those old ladies did not, <laughs> did not, did not hold back. No. <laughs> No, they did not. Uh, looking forward to our last two episodes. Yes. Uh, next up, we have What We Do in the Shadows and Witches, which was mm-hmm. fun. Uh, I like this twist on Guillermo. I feel like it'll be just this episode. I don't think yes. it'll continue that much longer. But I also just wanted to mention this because ugh, Lucy Punch. So God, glad Lucy so Punch good. is in, in universe now as Lilith. Yeah. No, this episode's just very silly. Um, like, I mean, there's erection jokes everywhere mm-hmm. um but like it's still got the like a sense of weirdness about it that what we do in the shadows has done a really good job of like really embracing like this whole idea of like you're trapped in a massive tower of doors oh we wrote the exit sign in spanish Fucked up there um just like all of that stuff i think is really really good and very very silly but i also like the very casual sort of sexual fluidity of the episode um between um nandora and laszlo um should we finish each other off it's just it's so good um but i also have so many questions about why is it everywhere (laughs) why what is happening no um but no it's very silly lucy punch is here i'm all here for it it's it's good it's very enjoyable and i like the additional layering of that we're getting with uh, Nadja and Laszlo's relationship mm-hmm. throughout the show of like, oh, right. He can't tell her apart from other long-haired, black, black-haired black women who have slightly European accents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Colin good. can't either. Um, <laughs> so it's just like, or Nandor can't. One of them can't. Yeah. Um, just or like, they just don't want to get in. They don't, they get don't want to get into it. Um, yeah. But then, yeah, no. So it's very good. It's very silly and Guillermo going full Shark Tank was also very good. The uh, the the talking goat, um, very good. I'll be a witch one day. Oh, <laughs> oh buddy, oh, buddy. Um, next up we have Quiz, which had its premiere on AMC. This aired on ITV earlier in the year uh, in in the UK, and I had I did not know about this the the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire hacking thing apparently because like it broke right before nine eleven. So, you you know, we were talking about very different things, which also actually puts it interestingly close to parts of the McMillian scam, too. Yes. Yeah, which, it does. Which is interesting. And I think, I mean, there's certainly connections with the beginning of the Internet uh, being more widely available to people and bulletin boards, like, connect those two. But anyways, I thought that this was fun. Um I was more on board with the first two thirds. By the last third, is is getting campy and just silly, 
in a way that I'm not sure yet if I'm on board with. We'll find out in the next episode. Because um, yeah. it feels very heightened, but it, like, in, in not in a way that I'm I'm turned off by yet. Yeah. Depending on how, like, I can buy these characters behaving in this heightened way. Um, so we'll see what happens tonally in the next two. But I, I certainly, I enjoy this cast, and um, I look forward to finishing out the, the mini-series thing. What did you think? No, I really like this. Um, I'm familiar with some of this. Um, like, I knew that this had happened. Um, though I did enjoy, like, a number of other things about it, including um, just, like, the development of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Was Cash really, Mountain! Really... Cash Mountain such a horrible fucking name for a game show. <laughs> yep. It's just the worst possible name. It sounds like a Price is Right minigame, as opposed to a game show. Um... But, like, that whole thing is, I think, really, really good and very funny and enjoyable. Um, so the development of that, I think, which is basically, like, the first two-thirds of the episode, as you alluded to, is really delightful. When it starts getting into the actual conspiracy angle of these folks uh, developing, delightfully, a underground resistance to the show, um, which feels as much of commentary about the idea of a small a small English towns being very bored <laughs> um, as like a whole concept of like economic stuff that the that the show just is probably actively disinterested in mm-hmm. um, feels really good, but also points to the fact that wait, our show's getting very white. This is not what we wanted, and like all of that push and tug, I think is interesting, but. I agree that it's veering into potential camp or how AMC is cutting like the trailers for like the promos also veers really heavily into we're going to do our spy thriller edit on this very mundane thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm still enjoying it. Like I, I like it. I like all these performances. Like it's got Michael Sheen buried under a ton of prosthetics, mm-hmm. but still very clearly Michael Sheen. Um, Matthew McFadden, um, who I I really like um, as like the um, what call it the British guy who mm-hmm. gets stuck in all this. Um, works really really well as well it's got mark bonner who i love and he's not swearing enough for me in this <laughs> but i'm willing to forgive the show um so i i like it i'm really eager for the next two episodes i'm glad it's only three um because i was already like wait we're moving real fast through this okay good <laughs> <laughs> so yeah no i'm eager to watch more there's there's a bunch of faces and actors people will recognize uh sean clifford or seen i'm not sure how it's pronounced uh clifford who we you know very much enjoy in um in fleabag uh mm-hmm. aisling b who's always delightful uh mcfadden so far i'm you know he's fine but i'm guessing he will get more to do as it goes along right now he feels it feels very like autopilot for him yeah um, but I'm, he's going to get more in the next episode. So that's what I'm looking forward to for that. But yeah, just the, like the, the development of the show and building up the, the pub quiz element of it. And just like how exciting and fun it is. Like just when they're pitching the game, they have him, the, the executive play it with them in the studio. Like it, that, that is the part that I was most uh, entertained by at the beginning. And, um, yeah, I, I look forward to, to seeing what happens because 
uh, you know, the, with the editing and the way they, the, the bookends, what I assume are the bookends of the trial. Um, it really gives you permission to enjoy like, cause you, what, what's going to happen because you know that, uh, the, the team that you're in theory rooting for at the game show are going to get justice eventually. So you can just kind of enjoy the process. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I'm looking forward to watching the next two. Our, our next episode is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I saw just the beginning of this episode, but uh, I'm, I have to catch up on the rest of it. Feel free to spoil away. Um, this is Know Your Onions. So so what did you think? So the episode's very much like just a sort of conclusion to the two-parter. Um, so it's not, there's not a lot of like really, I think, super interesting stuff here. But two things kind of stand out to me for this. Um, the first is that I really like this idea of we don't know how much time we have in each time period before we jump, which is something that gets introduced. I don't know if you got up to that point. No, I didn't. Yeah. So they only have X amount of time in each time period before the next wave. Sliders. Right. They're sliders. That's, oh, that's such a good. Yes. And that's that's like provides a really good bit of tension, I think, to the proceedings going forward, because it's like we could be here for 24 days, 24 minutes, 24 months. We honestly don't know until like some sort of timer kicks in. And I'm just like, oh, that's a great idea. That's a really good concept of we were talking about them doing Legends of Tomorrow and this prevents them from fully doing Legends of Tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Um but it's a neat idea. Um, and then the only other thing I'll say is that they're really going all in on coning um, a little bit in the stinger, um, which I won't spoil completely for you, but it sets up a lot of stuff. Um, but ugh, poor Enoch. Just poor, mm -hmm. poor Enoch. Um, hopefully he he's okay. Is <laughs> um, He'll be fine. He's a Chromacon. Um, so, yeah. So that's kind of all I really need to say is, like, I really like the little plot device of the time wave stuff. Because I think that's a smart idea. Mm -hmm. I'm very invested in how long they had to set everything up. Like, Gemma and Fitz. That really feels like it's going to be, a, like, a reveal later in the season. And I'm looking forward to that. I'm enjoying kind of pondering what that means and whether they are LDSs. Um yeah. LDMs. LDMs, sorry, LDMs. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. I, I, I will get caught up for next week. Um, but, yeah, just didn't quite have the time this week. But I did have time to watch the season finale, of course, of Legends of Tomorrow, Swan Thong. So my immediate takeaway on this was, that's fine. I had fun. I, I wanted to like it more than I did. Um, but because I think they've done some of these beats better before, uh, specifically, like, the fight scene. I wasn't all that in enamored of the big fight scene. Um, though the creativity of, like, the shake weights and everything was fun. And the, the thong song as the backdrop and just, like, the Nate just dancing to it. Terrific. Really enjoyed that part. But some of the other beats, like, like the other, it just felt like filling time with the fight scene as opposed to having much stakes to it. And I really do think that this season has been significantly hampered by not having done a better job with Charlie and really establishing and building up her arc over the course of the season so that her choices just make more sense and feel more like connected and tied into her, ex her recent experiences and a stronger sense of who she is at her core. Cause by the end she feels like she was at the beginning of the season and 
not like she's come out the end of a journey. Um, that last scene just felt like we picked right up with her before. And there's a joyousness to that that I thought was lovely. I like seeing her celebrating and happy and everything. Um, but I I just don't get a lot of the characters' choices. And I don't think they... I think that it, it's not that they didn't earn it. It's just that if they had done... If they had given more time and more specificity to her arc throughout the season, I think a lot of these moments would have hit much, much stronger. No, I absolutely fully agree. I think that this episode's really fun, but it should have a little bit more weight to it. And that's not there in this episode for all the reasons you've already talked about. And it gets slightly more frustrating when you realize that they knew that the woman who played Charlie, uh, Marianne... Maisie, uh, Maisie, sorry, Sellers. Yes, Maisie Richardson Sellers wasn't coming back last season. Like that, they knew about this last year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that they only had two seasons left with her before she was going to go and do something. She was going to go work on what sounds like doing a lot of writing, directing going forward. And when you know that so far in advance, <laughs> you should be able to plan for that. And they don't. Like, Charlie's always been sort of a squishy character for the show. Um, First with the shape-shifting stuff and the politics of that and how they didn't navigate that super well. Um, And then, and by super well, I mean poorly. Um, And then this season with all the stuff with her sisters um, just never coalesces into anything since Astra feels way more involved in that world because of all the time we spend with her and uh, Lachesis, um in hell, that it just never kind of clicks into place anyway. So when you get that moment that Charlie slash Clotho has decided that her punishment is to be herself in that museum exhibit is really potent and really powerful, but it feels it shouldn't, doesn't have the impact it, ha- it should have because of the fact that they haven't done that work. So it's all very silly. It's all very enjoyable. Like Courtney Ford's back to play Marie Antoinette for just like five seconds and then gets her head knocked off by a can of like energy drink. And it's just like, God bless this show. Just Mm -hmm. God bless it. Um, But it's, it's, it's still kind of frustrating to, to watch as they do something that's not nearly as good. Um, as we know that they're capable of. So, like, it's still, like, the most fun I had watching TV, aside from what we do in the shadows this week. Um, Because I always have a good time watching what we do in the shadows. But there just wasn't enough there, there, emotionally, I think. Even if the rest of the episode, I think, is really, really good, including, and we should discuss this, all the stuff with um, Zari's. How did all of that work for you? Yeah, Zari and Tala Ash's performance specifically has been the core of this, you know, well, this season, really, but yes. a lot of certainly this last chunk. And um, yeah, Zari is the Dan <laughs> of, of, of Legends this season. Um, and listeners, if you don't know what we're talking about, that's a Lucifer reference. But um I thought that, you know, the, the thread throughout the episode was good um, around Bayrod. Uh, I, I see the, you there with thread. Yeah. I see I, you. 
I was getting very, I'm your best friend, but you're my best friend, but I know I'm not yours and that's okay vibes from it, which I thought was an interesting way to play that and all very reasonable and like earned way to, to play that dynamic between Zari one and Virad. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think the solutions they come up with is devastating, but appropriate. And, um, I think I wouldn't be surprised if they were like, Hey, which one do you want to play? <laughs> to the actor and whichever one you want to play, we'll stick with. Um, Cause Azari too could have also just said, it's my turn to go into the totem and we'll take turns yeah. kind of a thing. But then Barad would have died. Oh, that's right. Cause it was the timeline that established it. Yeah. yeah but, it was know, the timeline issue. They could have, you know, there are ways they, the writers could have written around that. Um, if, if they preferred to keep Zari one, but um, yeah, it's uh it, it, I thought that that stuff actually worked really nicely. Um, and I, I'm curious about what's going to happen next season. I think it's good that they are paring down the the Wave Rider crew. There's too many of them. Um, I enjoy them all. So that makes it tough, but there's too many of them. And so that a lot of the characters have, and the, the arcing for the season overall has suffered because of that. Because they don't know what to do with Nate. They don't know what to do uh, with, several of the characters they wrote off mona which was a good idea because you know also the actor needed to go do her other show but um i really hope they keep astra off the ship i seem to be the only voice (laughs) in that i really like astra she brings a really different dynamic to the group but also that dynamic is going to be smoothed out if she stays yeah i don't care about her even a little i like the performance i guess but i i would much rather spend time with the rest of the the team and there's already too many people on the ship. Uh, I really like Mick uh, and having, you know, like the doses they've been using him in and specifically Lita, I think is really fun. I think that's worked well. So if they keep him more pared down and then they need to come up with something for Nate. Yes. If they don't, then they need to get him off the ship too, which I don't think they will. Uh, Cause this is a show that likes to keep all its cast. So, I think having writing Charlie off or the actor wanted to leave, I'm sure. And that's why they did. But writing Charlie off. The actor, she was ready to go. Yeah. And theoretically, Astra off. Keeping Virat. I think these are all good moves. I'm excited for the next season being Aliens. Uh, so it seems very fun. But I mostly, I just really hope they get to a, a stronger sense of what they want to do character-wise over the course of the next season and really yeah. commit to it because they need more threading. Uh, I wasn't going for the pun that time. They need more uh, progression for where the characters are at. Um, if they're going to connect one of their main characters to the arc. Yeah. So and I, I, I criticize and I critique because I love, because the show is capable of so, of such high heights. And even a episode where I'm like, yeah, it's fine, is really good compared yeah. to other shows. But um, I'm hoping that they will have more that they want to say next season. And they've demonstrated that they can do that kind of emotional work. Because even though Hey World is sort of like squishy and mm-hmm. Nate's relationship with his dad is sort of squishy, it still provides like a really solid enough foundation for some stuff um and arguably like the weird kind of transition of power between sarah and rip that happens in season two Mm -hmm. um right season two i think so i think season two yeah yeah um i think also works but like the emotional stuff in this 
works slightly better than the hawk people in season one and that's oh, not definitely. what you want to hear it's not um, it's not a good yeah that's not what a that's not a comparison you want is yeah. like this worked this is this worked better than season one is not what you want to hear about this show yeah. um since season one is not the show so no i absolutely agree um i've told you this um but i need to share it with our listeners because i feel like this is a great idea and that i am a genius Mm-hmm. Um, is that I was listeners, I was trying to figure out why, why would aliens abduct Sarah Lance? And then I was just like, why wouldn't aliens abduct Sarah Lance? She's great. And then listeners, I had an epiphany face moment <laughs> in which I went, oh, they're going to galaxy quest Sarah Lance because the star trip transmissions made it to their shores. And I was like, yes, that is what is happening here. Is that she's getting Galaxy Quested. And if you haven't seen Galaxy Quest listeners, you need to turn off it's, this podcast right now and go rectify Go watch Galaxy that. Quest. It's on Netflix. <laughs> is and it back you, on Netflix? I think, is it not? I don't know. I don't it it used to be on Netflix. It used to be on Netflix. I don't think it is anymore. You can go sad. on to Prime and you can watch the, the documentary about Galaxy Quest, which is really fun. But Galaxy Quest is the best thing Tim Allen has done and will ever do. Mm-hmm. Um... But it's also got Alan Rickman and Sigourney Weaver and Sam Rockwell and, and it's Rico. Like, um, everyone is very, very good. Everyone's very good in it. So go go watch that. Um, it's but, legit one of the best comedies of the last like 20 years. Certainly one of the best action comedies. Yeah. Well, 30 years. 30 years. 30 years. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Ugh, I'm old. Okay. <laughs> Enough about that. Um, do you have anything else about Legends? If not, no. what, when's yeah. your week in TV? Um. I guess I'll give it to the Drag Race finale just for like difficulty and like their, their execution. I thought was was very good given the difficulty of the situation. Uh, I also forgot to mention it then, but uh, the the looks that the queens were serving uh, very impressive, very impressive looks. I particularly liked Jan like, going full quarantine with the Edward Scissorhands thing, you know, yeah. and how all of us are making those decisions about whether we're going to try to cut our own hair. <laughs> right now um and uh, i also uh like obviously jada's outfit her like finale kind of look was gorgeous and crystal did a pinata i mean come on it was good it was fun so i'm gonna give it to that with a nod to some of these other episodes how about you i think i'm gonna agree with you i think just the sheer technical achievement of the drag race finale is worth like being really really good um but yeah a couple of nods elsewhere but the drag race finale was really solid and it's probably the future of television everyone get ready for that (laughs) Woo! on that cheery note let's listen to some sad irish people we're gonna take a break watch a trailer or listen to a trailer for normal people on hulu and we'll be right back after this you know when we were together in first year of college It was kind of a perfect time in my life, to be honest. It'd be awkward if something happened with us. No one would have to know. I didn't know your mom worked in the Sheridan's house. What's Marianne like in her natural habitat? I don't know. I don't see much of her. We hook up. Secretly. <laughs> like some kind of game. saying that knacker is dating my sister it's not what i want anymore 
I feel nothing for you. Nothing. Why are you saying this? Her new boyfriend is more in line with her social class. Are you dating anyone problematic at the moment? I haven't had a midnight call from you in a while. It's so corrupt and sexy. What'd you say your feelings are involved? Obviously. Who is it obvious to? That was a trailer for Normal People, which is a 12-episode uh, drama series, miniseries on Hulu. And if you noticed, or before we <laughs> went to the trailer, I called it Sad Irish People. That's what Nolan and I have been calling it uh, to to each other, uh, because that's like, when you look at the pictures or the, the art for it and everything, and the, the descriptions are it's just very generic and just looks like Sad Irish People. Um the show is better than that. I think it's actually a rather lovely show following two characters from their, what sounds like their last year of basically high school through yes. years of college. Um, yes. And then into like, you know, like master's kind of levels of study, postdoctorate kind of thing. Um, not postdoctorate, but post postgrad under postgrad. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it's uh it just follows these two characters. You know, you're, you're, you you just see different chapters of their lives, and most mostly you just, you know, first of all, if you are bunkering with your parents, like I am, <laughs> yeah, don't again, watch this with your parents. There's so much, there's so much nudity, and there's lots and lots of boning. So just be aware of that when you're deciding your volume levels, and also, you know. If, if you want to avoid conversations. Um, so know that. But also just uh, you'll be yelling at your screen. Talk. <laughs> Use your words. Uh, because it's, it's another one of those shows where if the characters could just talk to each other. Just know how to communicate with themselves, let alone with somebody else. Um, they would have a much better time of things. I, I, th- I swear the, the part of the season that I most enjoyed uh facetiously is when the one character goes to therapy i'm like oh thank god (laughs) finally you really need some help and both of you do and you need to talk to somebody and since you won't talk to each other and you won't talk to yourselves hopefully you'll talk to the therapist uh what did you think of of this show i really really liked it i think there are some problems um i think that despite being 12 half hour episodes it's weirdly too long Mm. Um, which is not something I was expecting to say because both of us were like 12 half hour drama episodes. Yes, please. And thank you. Um, but some of this boils down to the fact that it's a little repetitive sometimes, which you noted right before we uh, started recording. This is like, there's a degree of repetition to it. That repetition is by design, but it doesn't mean that's not as a viewer, not the best thing in the world to experience. Um, but that's kind of like the only thing I can say that I feel frustrated by. There's one other thing I feel frustrated by, which deals with Marianne. Um, but we can get into that when we dig in a bit more. Um, but on the whole, I really, really like this show. I think it's a really luscious show to look at in terms of like the aesthetics. Um, but it's also really well acted by Daisy Edgar Jones, who plays Marianne and Paul Mescal, who plays Connell. 
Um, and the layers of really good acting, really good writing in terms of not hitting you overhead with class stuff, but making it very, very apparent very quickly, even if you don't have a solid grasp of how Irish socioeconomics work. Um, everything makes sense, um, which I really, really appreciate. And the ways in which that gets baked into any other number of things throughout the series and how it sort of ends up defining both of both Marianne, who comes from a upper class affluent and uh, Connell, who does not, um, informs so many other decisions that get made throughout um, that it feels really organically baked in and really well done. So I really, really enjoyed this show um, in the sense of, yes, I was also yelling at my TV. Oh my God, just use your words for the (laughs) love of God. Just use your words. Um, But at the same time, I've been in situations like sort of where Marianne and Connell find themselves throughout like this span of their lives. And I did not use my words Mm -hmm. because using words are hard. Like it's difficult. Um, to use your words sometimes, uh, especially in these kinds of situations, especially when you're this age. Um, so a lot of this also just rang really true for like experiences I've had as well. So I really, really liked it on the whole. I think it's really, really good. And I encourage people to seek it out. Um, but yes, for just don't watch it with your parents. <laughs> just don't. Just don't. But we should also note that the sex scenes are steamy and good um and they had a terrific um intimacy um consultant on set who also worked on um sex education yeah i that move that's happening on more sets i think is really smart and hopefully helps the actors be you know and everybody who's working in that situation feel more comfortable but also is gonna help help get better scenes for the show you know for these shows so um i mean assuming you have a good coordinator but yeah yeah. Um, the, you know, it's one of those experiences watching this where you're frustrated because of the choices the characters are making and you're yelling at your screen. Oh my God, just, oh, just talk. Oh my God, just talk to each other. But it feels earned and it feels appropriate. You know, like it's not frustrating because of course Connell, he like, he's terrified constantly. He's just a ball of anxiety throughout his high school years. Um, so, of course, he's not able to use his words because he, like, he's just, he's just a mess. <laughs> you know, like, so, so it, it feels, it feels similar to watching your friends make mistakes or looking at mistakes you've made and, and just being so frustrated, but also completely understanding why and that, you know, hopefully they'll get there. They're not there yet. Um I thought that they did it, particularly with Connell, I thought they did a, a terrific job of just showing him in small details come into his own over the course of the span of the, like, when this is all set. And, like, I mean, poor Helen. Helen did the work. Helen did the work. Helen made him who he is. <laughs> and no, then she, um, like, gets, like, two scenes. So much work. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I think that they like the the chemistry between the leads is really good. I think the complicated emotions around trying realizing that someone that you know um, that is in your circle is really special to you, and even if like things are complicated, you are willing to do the work to keep this person in your life because of what they mean to you and what they also just what they represent. And 
and the fact that you are not going to find that again easily, I thought was really just really well shown through these different performances. I also like that they introduced plenty of these characters that some you're obviously not supposed to like. And there are others that you seem like who seem cool. And then you just realize over time, no, they're shit. Like Peggy. Peggy chose Jamie in the breakup. Peggy chose that POS. Like, wow. That was not the correct choice, Peggy. Peggy, I thought you were cool, but no, clearly not. Um, So I thought that, that, you know, like there was a good balance of things. It felt very lived in. And maybe that's, you know, partially because it's an adaptation of a novel. So it's something that had had, you know, plenty of time to be examined and thought out and really lived in before even the adaptation process started. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think that there's that lived in quality um, you can only get through both having a really solid point of reference being the novel, which I have not read, um, and having a lot of care for that, which also comes through with the fact that Sally uh, Rooney, who wrote the novel, co-wrote a number of these episodes as well, which I think also makes a big difference when you have a novelist who can help write your screenplay of their novel um because plenty of plenty of really talented novelists aren't maybe the best at writing television or movies yes like, that is very this, true this is a very accurate thing and <laughs> i'm not not calling out stephen king but i'm also not not calling out stephen king um <laughs> so i think that that kind of care comes through a lot in this show both on a writing level but also on a directing level of there's just a lot of solid, soft moments of touch that just really encapsulate how things shift, um, but also what people are feeling without necessarily them having to voice that because both Marianne and Connell have problems voicing that for myriad of reasons. Um, and... I think finding that and making it feel deeply organic to your story is really difficult. And I think that this show does a really, really good job of finding that honesty. Um, I do think that one of the more interesting things about the show is that it feels very contemporary in a lot of ways. Um, and it should because there's like laptops, there's Wi-Fi, there's cell phones. We never get like a firm time that the show's taking place, but roughly contemporary. But one of the things that I found really, really engaging and interesting about the show is how it very much eschews modern technology in a lot of ways um, to better create distance between Marianne and Connell, who at various times get separated. Um, so like, yeah, Skype's a thing. Um, and it's used to great effect in one, one particular segment in particular, um, that I think is just really touching. Um, at the same time though, they're trading emails back and forth mm-hmm. as opposed to like texting constantly, which is what you think would happen. But the fact that it becomes emails that are like implied to be these kind of missives almost, um, gives it that old school romantic kind of quality to it that sets these people apart in a really interesting way um, because, again, they should be texting constantly and they are not. And it's real weird, but then you stop thinking about it because of how it fits into our conception of this kind of a romantic story. Um, Did you pick up on that at all? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. I mean, I didn't expect them to be texting constantly because they don't feel like people who text a lot. 
right? They don't, because they don't feel like people, or like you text and then like they wait several hours and then there'd be one text back, like that kind of, like when they're sitting together, they aren't chatting up a storm, right? They're like, it's lots of heavy silences followed by like two statements and then understood, a, like an understanding between them that goes beyond words. It's like one of those things. So like the emails and like letters makes a lot more sense for them than than texting, I think. Though I can also picture both of them doing a more, a less than healthy amount of Facebook stalking. Um, so, you know, there's that. But I, but it yeah. does definitely give it that like, that more traditional romance kind of energy to their communications when they're separated. Definitely. Right. Cause they mentioned Facebook, mm-hmm. but there's like a very, there's also like a complete lack of social media on this show as well. Mm-hmm. Um, which again, like either it's by design because social media introduces a number of things that are difficult to weave in. But then you have this story that's very much about the fact that these two people can barely kind of communicate with one another in person. And when you introduce a mediating aspect to that, what does that do? How does that affect their things? And I don't know that the show is necessarily interested in engaging those questions, um, since sometimes it seems like electronic mediation communication between the two of them helps them bridge things, but then things break down when they're actually in front of one another, which is a really interesting tension that the show really subtly weaves in. And I really, really like it um, because, again, given their ages, it feels like that they should be more engaged on like a technology level than they actually are. Um, but there's no, even from like their friend groups, there's not a lot of like pushback against that either, which I think is interesting. Um so that 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 really kind of stuck to me, especially towards the end when they're using it a bit more. But at the same time, it's not defining how their relationship functions or doesn't function. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, in my head, canon, they don't have great reception because they're from a. I don't know actually know if this is a small town, but in my head, it's a small town. <laughs> so um, that that's why um, that's why mm-hmm. they they don't have a lot of back and forth also uh when they're in school and stuff marianne is a loner and uh connell is so desperate to be um accepted that he's just not having any anything of that's his own opinion so they they both they're both very much hiding but um, yeah but i but again like it's it's not necessarily appropriate to the current time period but i think it works for the show um if i have an issue with it with the storytelling here it's that I don't, I don't love that Connell's thing is that he is a writer um, who struggles with the notion of being an academic and is that's colored by his, his upbringing, right? His mom's a cleaner um, and money is a struggle. His friends are all working class. And so like there's class issues there, but his, his like thing is that he doesn't communicate and he, is loves reading and is going to become a writer. And Marianne's thing is that she had an abusive father. And like, that feels like that's her thing. And that's it. <laughs> like, and she just feels so defined by that in every single aspect of her life. Yes. That it, that, I mean, I, when we get reminded every now and again that, Oh, she's doing studying history. What kind of history? What time period of history? What 
like politics, history and politics in what way? Like there isn't a curiosity for what she is actively excited about in her studies or like, you know, in looking at her future that um, may, I mean, I am fortunate enough to not have an experience of like coming from a background of abuse. So maybe this is a very like thoughtful and measured and specific choice on the writer's parts. Um, and I think they do a good, really good job with what they do examine about her interactions and her relationships and everything. But that was a little, it was a little frustrating to me that I didn't have any sense of why she was in Sweden to study. I think that is all very fair. I do think that the, the show sort of prioritizes Connell's interiority more than it mm-hmm. does Mary Ann's to a certain degree. Um, Mary Ann's is very much defined by that um, domestic abuse. Um, and it never really fully gets out of that. Um, and you see her through her relationships first with Gareth, who let's just put us, let's just acknowledge the fact that Gareth is the worst, but weirdly not the worst. But, but not the worst. Yeah. Because this is a man who's just like, Nazis should have speech. And that's our baseline. Mm-hmm. That's the baseline for her terrible her terrible boyfriends, mm-hmm. is Nazis should have speech. Um, and then we get Jamie, who's um, a An very asshole. jealous um, and very jealous sadist. Um, and he, I mean, then, he's... He's controlling and gaslighting her before they're even dating. Yes. No, he is. And so it's just like, not good. And then there's Lucas, who's physically abusive, emotionally abusive. And you see Marianne sort of embracing like this concept of a, um, a, um, whatchamacallit, S&M, BDSM sort of relationship. Um, But not being comfortable with it at the same time. And I don't know that that ever gets fully, fully fleshed out in a way that feels satisfying. Um, And it's really kind of frustrating because it's really interesting, even if it's still tied, even if it feels really tied to a concept of abuse, which is not the best way to reflect that particular sort of um, sexual um, proclivity. Um, by tying it to an issue of abuse. Um, it's not great. It's bad, actually. I'm sure um, members of the kink community are not excited about this representation. Yeah, and it's not good, but the show, because of how closely they sort of tie those things together, does a disservice to both by not fully exploring mm-hmm. either of them, really. Um, and it, a lot of it falls to um, Edgar Jones to really find something in it. And I think she does, like, the ways in which, particularly, like, with her scenes with Lucas, really speak to the degrees to which she's maybe realizing that this is not what she should be doing, or that she feels is right for her. Um, but then she also asks Connell to hit her um, towards the end of the season. Um, and I think it speaks to, like, a larger potential failing of the show regarding Marianne in general, which is like my other big problem, Um, which is, I think Daisy Edgar Jones is really great in this. I also think that the show cast way too pretty (laughs) from the get go. 
Um, because when she's like, oh, yeah, stand, standard, standard, standard story, went to college, got pretty. And it's like, no, you were very pretty in high school, too. <laughs> you just had the sexy disarrayed bun and bangs that s- made me think that you're not supposed to be pretty. But that became like a larger issue with the high school thing of like, she standoffish, but she also mouths off to perf- the teachers and everything. And I just kept going, no, you can be aloof, but I feel like you'd still be popular and people wouldn't be making fun of you. And I'm very confused by how this is supposed to be played here mm-hmm. and what I'm supposed to be buying into this because letting your hair down and discovering eyeshadow is not what makes you pretty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a disconnect there. Um, to go back to the Lucas thing, I don't think they did, or maybe maybe it was intentional. It was, in, it was a choice, but I did not have a sense of if Lucas was a bad person, an abusive person, or if he, Lucas was involved in an S and M and like a, a dom sub relationship, um, because that's what he's interested, in, and it's explicitly what she asks for. And we got only a few shots of her and, and of, of them interacting before that estab- like relationship has been established. And it's yeah. consistently portrayed as a very negative thing. Um, but I didn't get a sense that he... I don't think I got a clear enough sense from the show that he is bad. If that's I what think, we're supposed to take away. Yeah. And I think they sort of like want to do that real quick with the... Um... With the, like, introduction of him saying, you want a drink. And it's a statement. Yeah. Not a question. Yeah. Um, which I think is supposed to be, like, our clue. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the ways in which he doesn't necessarily shift out of that mode after mm-hmm. they've had sex. Um, and again, I'm saying this, and I have no experience with the structure of that kind of relationship and whether or not that continues past a sexual level or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. But it it plays like it's bad for mm-hmm. me anyway. Yeah. I mean, I think they definitely want us to take away that it's bad. Mm-hmm. But I think, I mean, there are plenty of people who are in the kink community who would uh, very happily discuss their positive Dom sub relationships that are not this, you know, um, this denial of of self in this way that are part of play and not, you know, intended to act actually harm and to compound her trauma from growing up watching her dad hit her mom, you know. So because because there are so few positive depictions and thoughtful depictions of the kink community that's something that i always have a like a radar up for when we're watching those shows shows that in, in engage with it just like the um the the ethical non-monogamy and insecure you know just mm-hmm. different things that when they've come up because there's so little representation i always feel like if you're going to take on this topic, make sure that you are doing so thoughtfully. And I think what, I think they achieve what they're going for, but it requires some shorthand that I think could have been a little more nuanced. 
Yeah, and it's, I think the other problem is, is that it's a lot of shorthand that ends up getting given to us right at the end. So yeah. it feels really rushed, which is yeah. a larger problem. Like, we get a sense of Marianne's passivity pretty... Consistently. Passivity, consistently through the run. Yeah. But she's also... The degree to which it's her versus what she thinks that people want from her mm -hmm. gets really fuzzy. And that's the most interesting thing of like very quickly, she's just like, let's take off her clothes. And, but it also, it plays in that moment as assertiveness, but then as the show goes on, it becomes a more of a projecting of what she thinks that she needs to do. Yeah. Um, which provides shading and nuance, but at the same time, we don't, that takes weirdly too long, I feel like, to make sense. Um, especially when she also pivots to certain things of, like, when she breaks up with Gareth. Um, and, like, of her own accord, basically. Um, and that Gareth just seems like a typical college tool. Um, but lacks maybe, like, that emotional thing she latches onto and lacks that physical thing that she also feels like she needs to latch onto or wants to latch onto. The fact that I can't fully verbalize what her mental state is regarding some of this feels both, again, by design from the show, but also poorly done by the show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, a couple other characters I want to shout out before mm -hmm. we run out of time here. Uh, I like just all of the points for the writing and the performance of Lorraine. Uh, Lorraine's so team. the goddamn best. Lorraine, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> she's like he, when he's being a stupid teenage boy, he's like, why can't you be on my side? He's like, because your side's wrong. Because I don't want to be on your side for this one. Like, I'm going to try to pep you up and send you off to the equivalent of prom. Like, yeah, I was yeah, trying try to have a good time, but what like is Debs. Someone tell me what Debs is. Oh, it's prom. It's basically prom. It's not quite, yeah. but it's prom. Yeah. Um It's prom but, with booze. Legal booze. It's so weird, right? When they go down the pub and they're like 17. It's just very different than our experience in the in the United States. Um but yeah, so like Lorraine's amazing. Um and I also like just she, at least Joanna is a good friend, right? Joanna oh, sticks around. So we like Joanna. Yes, Joanna's very good. And <sighs> Joanna needs, Joanna's very good. I really like Joanna. <laughs> yeah. Were there any other characters or moments that you wanted to shout out? <sighs> no, I don't think so. Like hitting Lorraine, Joanne, like I don't know that there's anyone else worth really mentioning. <laughs> <laughs> There's a um, scene later where they are they are eating popsicles, and this being the show, they put down the popsicles to have some sex, and I just spent the entire scene thinking, you're gonna get melted sugar all over that floor. Like, I know they, they show them putting the popsicles onto, like, the wrapper, right? But yeah. I'm just sitting there thinking, like, you're gonna get ants? You're gonna have to have a conversation this with your mom you about this? you get ants, Lana. <laughs> Anyways... <laughs> I might have been focusing on the wrong thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, last thing we should note, lots of penis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Fairly equitable sort of like degrees yeah. of nudity in this, I think, which is Yeah, it's good to good. see. Good. Yeah. 
appreciated. I because it was there's a lot of there's a lot of t- uh, topless shots, right? Of I mean, of both of them, but that means very different things in yes. American society, at least. Um, so it was nice that there over the course of the run, it, it tends it's pretty. It feels more organic um, to just like they're walking around and yes, they're, they're naked, right? It, it, like as opposed to being um, presentationally naked yes. for a sex scene or for you know some reason of the plot. Uh, yeah, it felt more just their day to day life. So that was that was a good way of they they shot all of that in a very verite, I guess, kind of feel. I don't know that it feels verite, but it it has this very sort of poetic casualness to it that I think mm-hmm. really works. Because some of, some of those post-coital poses are Oh yeah, very some of them staged. are very, very posed. You're right. There are a few that we were like, are you being sculpted right now? I mean, come on. Like, is Jack the, from Titanic drawing you right now? Because I the, feel like that's the what's The drape of the here. arm is rather specific. You're right. Yeah, that's a good point. Anyways, but I think we would both recommend this show. Yes, absolutely. No, um, do not watch it like in burst. Like, I watched all of it today, listeners. Yeah, that is not the best choice. Don't Um, watch six hours in a row. Yeah, pace yourself on it. Um, because it's it's very good, but it can also like I watched like five episodes in a row, and I regretted that decision. Yeah. yeah. Not that it's not good. It is. Yeah. But I think you will appreciate it more if you like live with it a bit. And it's very episodic. Yes. yes. Um, so that, you know, there's not like a, oh, I must watch the next one kind of energy to it. So mm-hmm. pace, it, pace, pace it out over a, a while and you'll, I think, get have a better yes. experience of it. So, well, that wraps up our conversation on normal people. And a few show notes here at the end of the episode. You can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there. You can email us at televerse at gmail.com. You can find us an Apple podcast with an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed. We're also up in Stitcher. We'd appreciate ratings and reviews both places. Um, and, of course, we are both on Twitter. I am at the Televerse, And, Noel, you are? At Noel RK. Thanks so much for a great discussion this week, Kate. Yeah, thanks, Noel. And thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse. Mm-hmm.